Welcome to the Puck and Pigskin Podcast, presented by Belly Up Sports. Just great sports fans talking mostly about hockey and football, sprinkled with a bit of everything else. Now, here's your host, a Flames fan with a Golden Knights backup plan, Jason Bizek. Welcome back, boys. I had you on, uh, I think, a couple months ago, and we're back to talk hockey this time. I'm fired up. How about you guys? Oh, let's do it. Getting there for sure. It's coming. It's coming faster than we realize. I'm very excited. Yeah. So uh, I, I don't know how excited Clark is. He's a Leafs fan, but um... <laughs> I'm pretty excited. <laughs> I'm excited let, to I'm avenge that, that whole. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm letting that whole. This is going to be our year thing seep in, and I'm just buying. I'm buying right back in again, just like every other year. Every yeah, no single kidding. year. <laughs> Uh, so I guess what we'll do first is we'll kind of go through uh, each division and uh, kind of explain the the changes that have happened and uh, where we predict the divisions are are going to place uh, where the teams are going to place in the division. So uh, I'll go first uh, with the Pacific Division, and uh, so th- we're going to start with my team, the Calgary Flames. <laughs> not these are no particular order <laughs> so of course uh of course we lost giordano uh to the kraken um we lost Derek ryan um the 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 additions we made we extended brett ritchie we got dan vladar and net now uh backing up markstrom uh big signing we signed blake coleman uh, big in some people's eyes i guess uh we uh Resigned uh, Zadorov, uh, Matt Phillips, uh, Oliver Shillington, uh, Valamaki, Dubay, uh, Connor Mackey. Uh, interesting moves this week they made. We signed free agents Eric Branson, uh, Michael Stone, and Brad Richardson. So safe to say that we've taken care of the heavy lifting on the team. My eyes, I think we're still uh, a little short on scoring. Um, so. This season, I in the Pacific Division, I got the Calgary Flames finishing third. Um, in the in the division, one and two, I've got uh, Vegas and Edmonton. Vegas won, Edmonton second, and uh, Vegas, of course, lost uh, Flurry, and uh, they lost Ryan Reeves. Really, that's all they lost. Um, they still got a good team there. They got good goaltending. Um, so I think that they're going to finish top of the division. Edmonton, a um, little bit different. They uh, lost Ethan Bear, uh, Jujar Kara. Um, Neil's on waivers, so he won't be back. Uh, Larson to the Kraken. Uh, signed a couple of big uh, names long term in Nugent Nurse. So I'm thinking they're going to be, I think they're going to be pretty good. They got Cody CC, Tyson Berry, Zach Hyman, and Derek Ryan. So I think they're going to be still be pretty competitive and finish second. And then just finishing out the division, I got uh, the Canucks in fourth, Seattle fifth. Uh, I think Seattle's actually going to n- not be too bad this season. Uh, LA sixth, San Jose seventh, and Anaheim eighth. So that's uh, what I got in the Pacific Division. What do you What are you guys thinking about the Pacific Division, Max? We'll start with you. Uh, I I think the just the moving and shaking in the Pacific specifically. It's been 
it's been a weird off season. I, I, again, going back to your Calgary flames, Jason, it's funny. They, they must've uh, really liked picking apart the Nashville predators depth, picking up Richardson <laughs> and good Branson this week. That was uh, just a couple of interesting moves that were finishing last season in gold, but man, oh man, it's just such a, like I said, I, I go to it and all I can think of is, I mean, there were some moves made, but nothing of seismic change other than really adding the Seattle crack mm-hmm. into the division. There's still obviously some huge question marks in Vancouver with a couple of key RFAs unsigned and Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes. And I mean, to me, that would be the X factor in terms of the division right there. San Jose, I think they're in for another tough ride. Los Angeles building some really good momentum with a solid stable of prospects. And uh, again, remains to be seen if they're still in on Jack Eichel and nobody seems to be in on Jack Eichel right now. <laughs> uh, including the Buffalo Sabres, unfortunately. So yeah, I'm I'm really hoping that maybe somebody in the Pacific really puts the bag together that they need to go out and get him and make that seismic change in the division that we've been waiting for. Um, overall, as far as off seasons are concerned, again, obviously it's hard not to look at the Seattle Kraken as being pretty big winners. We saw the expansion draft take place. We've all had some time to marinate on it now. And I really kind of like their off season. I think they may be overpaid a little bit for Philip Grubauer personally in net, but that's what you need to pay to have a one, a goaltender. I think he was sheltered a little bit having as good a team as he had in front of him in Colorado. But with that being said, though, if you're starting off a new flashy franchise, you got to have uh, some star studded star studdedness in between the pipes, as we saw with the Vegas golden Knights. And I think they got two very good goaltenders in, in, uh, Grubauer and Drieger, but man, oh man, I like the Jaden Schwartz pickup. I like some of the moves that they elected to make at the expansion draft. Um, and then a few other notables, obviously Mark Giordano going to set the culture and set the tone for them right out of the stables. And I agree with you, Jason, I think they're going to be a decent team. And as far as the rest of the Pacific goes, yeah, it's, uh, uh, safe to say it's probably not the strongest division in all of hockey, but for a Flames fan you're like yourself, that may be a good thing. So not a ton of <laughs> thoughts on the Pacific other than let's see how it all shakes out. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm, I mostly echo most of the things you guys said. Um, a lot of the stuff that um, you said about the Golden Knights, exactly. Like they're, you know, they didn't change a ton, but what they did change is they added Evgeny Dadunov, who is a 30 goal scorer potentially. Uh, he hasn't really done that in the last little bit, but uh, maybe he finds a little kind of a third line niche on that team and kind of has that secondary scoring that they really need. Um, you know, but Vegas is just so strong all the way throughout their lineup. On any given night, they could be they could beat you five nothing or one nothing. Uh, like they they've got very strong defensive system. So I still don't see them getting dethroned. I think Edmonton has a chance to be a really prolific team in terms of a lot of offense. Uh, we saw it last year with those guys getting hundreds of points in such a short season. Uh, Tyson Berry led all defensemen, and he's still there. They kept them. Uh, so I still think and Duncan Keith coming in. Uh, let's not forget about Duncan. Um, oh, yeah. who knows how what what kind of role they use him in it could be it could be a, a sheltered offensive role or maybe he's more of a shutdown type of guy we'll have to see how they decide to use him uh, so that'll be interesting uh, but I still think Edmonton's probably good enough to finish at least second um, the one that I'm going to disagree with you guys with and I, I think that Kings have a really good chance to finish in a playoff spot this year uh, Max is shaking his head Getting Victor Arvidsson from Na- Max's Nashville Predators. Um, Quinton Byfield's coming up, uh, and they've at- made some additions as well throughout their lineup, kind of sprinkling in a few guys here and there. I think they've bolstered their lineup, and their their young guys are ready to make a step. Uh, and I think their defense is underrated. Uh, Cal Patterson is is coming up, and he's going to be a pretty solid goaltender for them. He has been already. Uh, so I think the Kings in this division specifically, in only this division, 
have a chance to really be a surprise team that makes the playoffs. And I think people might be sleeping on Vancouver a little bit. So if I were to go three and four, I would, I think the, the Canucks might finish three, depending on how this RFA situation figures itself out. Cause really that's the, that's the turning point. If they can keep Patterson mm-hmm. and Hughes and keep those guys happy, I think they have a chance to be really good. If something happens there and they they slow up the team or they have to trade Brock Brock Besser or somebody like that in order to fit those guys on the team, that's going to shift that entire franchise. So if they can keep everybody together, I think the Canucks can definitely have a chance at third. And then it's going to be the Kings and Flames battling it out. And then uh, for that, for, I think the Kraken, like you guys said, will also be right in there, that conversation for that fourth uh, spot in that division. And then I think the the, the uh, sharks and the ducks, they're going to be uh, fighting for the first overall pick. I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I think in this Pacific Division, I think more than any other division, it's going to come down to goaltending. Um, Edmonton can Mike Smith play like he played last season? Uh, Vegas, uh, you know, they got a hell of a goaltender. Uh, he can play like he played last season. They'll be good. Yeah. Um, Calgary is going to rely heavily on Markstrom. Uh, Vancouver, Demco, so it, it's definitely going to yeah, rely a lot on goaltending. I think. From what I've heard too, don't uh, don't overlook Daniel Vladar, who they got from Boston in Calgary specifically. Um, I was talking to my good buddy Joel Henderson. Uh, he's been on our show a few times. Awesome scout. He, he he follows the Flames quite heavily. He actually got in touch with some people in the organization, and they are very excited that they were able to pry Vladar out of Boston. They they like what he's mm-hmm. got, and they like his kind of fit behind Markstrom. So um, that's a guy that I think Flames fans might like over time. I don't think he's proven himself yet, but from what I've heard, they really like him there. So that could be a guy that maybe he sneaks up uh, for those Flames fans who always like backup goalie better than the starting goalie. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Once uh, Sutter rides Markstrom into the ground, they're going to have to rely on somebody. Yeah, uh, Max, why don't we go to you for the Central Division? Give us your thoughts on uh, moves and movers and shakers there, and what your predictions are for this season in the Central. Oh wow, I've got a lot of them. I tell you what, maybe the biggest move might be the Arizona Coyotes fully going back to the Kachina logo that I know we all love. But yeah. um, outside of that, that's an acquisition as a Nashville Predators fan. I'm very happy with uh, just in terms of where they're projecting to finish. It's always good to have a team that maybe isn't quite as strong in there to be when you're on the fringe. You, you might need those few extra points from a team that doesn't project to be fantastic. But at the end of the day, this was a, a division with. Uh, I mean, you look at the moves made around at Chicago picking up. The Vesna winner and Mark Andre Fleury. I think that's one of those teetering moves that, if you look at where Chicago's at in their organizational cycle, you got to hope that Jonathan Taves is healthy again and, and maybe take one last crack at a cup here. There's some moves that they made, obviously picking up Seth Jones. This is this is a team that's saying, no, we're we're gonna go for it. We're we're gonna go down with the ship here. And I mean, with that being said, and we won't get too much into the negativeness of, of what the Chicago Blackhawks have been uh, going through this offseason, but at least on the ice, they seem to be making the right moves and um that's a team that i i've got my eye on for sure and after the predators had their way with them last year i don't think it's going to quite repeat itself chicago's got a pretty good hockey team and i like the pieces that they picked up for the acquisition 
um, the acquisition cost rather. I mean, you just look top through bottom. Colorado, I think they are clearly the class of the division. Um, mm -hmm. Probably, I, I wouldn't say the most underrated move, but I think maybe the most valuable move in the offseason was going out and picking up Darcy Kemper from the aforementioned Arizona Coyotes. This is a goaltender I've got at least uh, making the Team Canada Olympic roster as the third goaltender. I think this is a guy who's highly underrated and clearly Colorado thinks a lot of him after they absolutely shelled him in the bubble last season and still went out and paid a decent little price in Connor Tibbins and I believe an upper end uh, pick in the draft to go out and get him. So Darcy Kemper, I think, can be just as good, if not better, uh, in between Colorado's pipes than Philip Grubauer for about a million and a half bucks less. And we know that with Colorado, obviously, having to lock up Kale McCarr this offseason, uh, they've got a contract negotiation coming with Nathan McKinnon in the near-ish future. Um, they've got a very young team, and this is the time for them to really kind of explode and get past the second round. I think everybody remembers the comments that McKinnon made after that second round loss to Vegas. Is He's been around for seven Seven years and they haven't won bleep uh for for kid friendly programming so i mean you know colorado's <laughs> going to be hungry to come out and avenge that avenge that loss um and i really like what they did this offseason they didn't have to do much they've already got a pretty stable of strong ponies over there but uh, man, oh man, I really like the Darcy Kemper pickup. And moving a little further down the division, I think Dallas was a team that might have been victimized by a little too much last year. Obviously, starting the year with COVID, um, they had a myriad of injuries, much like the Predators, that they just couldn't quite overcome. They didn't quite have the strength in net. Um, and then you go out and you lock up your your franchise linchpin in Miro Heiskin. And I think Dallas is a team that could surprise a lot of people if they are back to full strength, rocking jo or Jamie Ben. Not Jordy. <laughs> we'll talk about Jordy a little <laughs> later when it comes to uh, acquisitions. But uh, no, with um, well, and just to add to that, Max, really quick, like Tyler Sagan was hurt all year last year. He played three games, uh, and he's coming back for Dallas. And they go out and get the bought out Ryan Suter as well. So like they they brought in a few. I'm I'm counting Tyler Sagan as an acquisition for Dallas too. Like they brought in a few guys that that should solidify that team and get them back to the levels they were at when they made that Cup run personally yep 100 <laughs> percent. yeah yeah no, sorry, go, keep going max not i i mean i had it there but that's that's thanks buddy uh were, were you with, gonna say it because i i i, I, I might have <laughs> might, might have caught dallas a, a good amount last year but no alexander radulov coming back to full strength too like you just look at the the names on this roster and where they could be if they were fully healthy um, I really like Dallas as a potential playoff team, maybe grabbing that third spot in the division. But then you look a little further down the way in Minnesota, like Clark mentioned, Ryan Suter and Zach Parise being the big news early in the offseason with the surprise buyouts. Dallas snapping him up and within the division. Is there going to be some fun revenge games for a still very capable Ryan Suter uh, going against his old squad? And I think the biggest X factor for the Minnesota Wild, we saw them maybe at least by preseason predictions last year overachieve. But man, oh man, Kirill the thrill. They got to get him locked up. Otherwise, this team, the, that to them, or that to, I guess, everybody is the difference between them being that third place or fourth, that first wild card spot team uh, and not being in the conversation whatsoever. So, I mean, as far as Minnesota is concerned, they really got to get Kirill locked up. Um, they brought back Kevin Fiala on a $5.1 million deal for a season. And yeah, it's again, a, a team that at least has intrigue and we'll see where they go, but got to get Kirill locked up. St. Louis is a team that will always compete, right? I mean, obviously the Tarasenko drama has kind of really been the big storm over this off season. They fully expect, or at least I saw an article today saying that Berube fully expects Tarasenko to be there. We'll see how 
long that lasts. And there is a little bit of off season left to see uh, if that fractured relationship really was completely severed and if they'll bring him back into camp. But if they do, they expect him to be there and, and be uh, as talented as he's been in the past scoring 40 goals once in this league before he could easily do it again. The Winnipeg Jets, Obviously, their back end was in dire need of some reinforcements. They go out and pick up a couple of key pieces in their offseason. I don't want to give them too much credit because uh, going back a couple of years when it was the old Central Division, man, oh, man, did Nashville and Winnipeg have some some rivalries there for a couple of playoff bouts. So uh, when it comes to the Jets, I really like what they've done. Um, I don't necessarily think, and I'm going to maybe anger some Winnipeg fans here, I don't know if they got the right end of the Pierre-Luc Dubois deal. We're going to really see if he can be the guy that they projected to be getting rid of Roslovich, who looks to be the premier player in that trade, who nobody would have thought um, Patrick Liney. We'll see what happens in Columbus with him, but I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not hedging a bet on PLD and fantasy drafts this year, or really what he's going to bring to the table in Winnipeg. We'll see if he proves me wrong. That could be a take that bites me in three or four months, but Hey, it's the preseason. Let's throw a few out there. So, and then finishing with my Nashville predators, man, what a, this it was the team to talk about. I mean, they were, they were as consistent as they came in terms of returning the organization year after year after year. Clark alluded to it earlier with the Victor Arvidsson deal going into LA in advance of the expansion draft. Ryan Ellis going to Philadelphia. Man, oh man, that looks weird. I saw a picture of him and I don't even know who it was. <laughs> Uh, might as well have been Carson Twarinski uh, in Philadelphia, but standing side by side. I mean, the, the beard fits with the colors, but not much else does there. It's very, very <laughs> weird to see. And um, you look at Pekka Rene, obviously retiring franchise linchpin for so, so many years and turning the reins over to UC Soros fully. And then obviously picking up your old boy, Jason Riddick, I guess both of your old boys here. We're going to see uh, if, if he can become big yeah. save Dave once again for 15 <laughs> games this year. So um, no, I'm very encouraged with the moves. Cody Glass, obviously coming over from the winter, the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. Um, Nolan Patrick for the 14 seconds we had him. He was a great predator, provided some <laughs> nice long-term memories. Uh, and yeah, no, it's it's just a, it's going to be a very interesting team to watch this year. I, I'm going to be cautiously optimistic, and Clark knows this because I said it as soon as these trades were made. The Nashville Predators are going to embody competitive-ish as their uh, slogan for probably this next season. But I really <laughs> like kind of where they're trending. They they decided, okay, our, our, our core is a little stagnant. It's time to move on from some of these pieces that maybe had been here just a little too long, got a little too comfy. Um, let's see what can happen with at least the returning members of the core. See if we can get a rejuvenation out of our big money guys and Matt Duchesne and Ryan Johansson. If Philip Forsberg in a contract year, he's going to be motivated more than ever, uh, especially not to be traded to the Toronto Maple Leafs at the deadline. So this is going to be <laughs> one of those, uh, one of those situations where uh, Nashville is going to be an interesting team. You see Soros, um, arguably the best goaltender in the league from March onward last year. Uh, outside of Andre Vasilevsky, I won't be too, too best with that statement. But um, no, it's a, again, I'm very, very encouraged by the youth movement that's taken place in Nashville. And that's the thing that a lot of people forget with the Predators last year is they were as banged up as anybody. I, I had mentioned Dallas and the injuries they went through, but Nashville went through a pretty, pretty, I guess, um, tumultuous time when it comes to injuries to key members of the team and the young group uh, really stepped up guys like Tanner Janot who we just had on our show a couple of weeks ago um, he came out and was a, a very very good presence former Moose Jaw Warrior guys like Matt Olivier uh, Philip Tomasino who uh, made a very very good impact on the Canadian World Junior team 
this past year. He's looking for a roster spot as well. It's going to be a very interesting team to watch. And then coming down the pipe, you got Yaroslav Askarov in a couple of seasons. Um, but I think UC Saros, he's going to be the X factor for this team, very much like he was last year when they had only just a half a percent chance of making the playoffs. So I could talk about my boys all night. I'm cautiously optimistic that maybe they could make some noise <laughs> this year in the type of division that they're in. But uh, yeah, this central division, if I'm going to go with some predictions, it's got to be Colorado in the one slot followed closely. Eh, when I'm looking at the teams, like I said, the logos only tell so much of a story, but number two, I really think the Chicago Blackhawks are going to have a season. Marc-Andre Fleury is going to be motivated. He's going to win them a lot of games. Jonathan Taves being healthy is the big caveat with that prediction. Um, and then number three, man, oh man, it's, it's hard to count out those Winnipeg Jets. I kind of really like what they've done this year. You've obviously got a Vesna winner in net. If he can even return to anything close to that form, in addition to their forwards doing what they're capable of doing, that short up blue line. Um, yeah, they're going to be a team to watch out for as well. I mean, if you look at the Central as compared to the Pacific, it could very well be a five-team playoff division, um, snapping up both of the wild card spots available. So I would say Dallas, St. Louis, or Minnesota, take your pick, maybe get in there. Again, I'm going to ha be happy to be wrong if the Nashville Predators can find a way into that final wild card spot. But it's, uh, it's going to be a competitive division. The only one I'm going to fully count out would be the Arizona Coyotes. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, well, where interesting. Do I, where do I go? Uh, <laughs> that was awesome. Back. <laughs> um, I, I think I think the Jets for me. Uh, I think they are still good enough to be second. And you mentioned uh, you know the Dubois thing, but overall, I think their top twelve in terms of their forward group is extremely strong, top to bottom. Uh, and they still have some younger guys on the bottom end. They did lose Mason Appleton, but they have some younger guys that are going to be stepping into that lineup. Um, and I think that 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 one through twelve forward group, I still really like the they all they have size, they have speed, they have skill, they have a great mix in that twelve, and I just really like what they have. Uh, and then the the hard part about that twelve is that some of them weren't all that great defensively, and with a lack of a blue line last year, that got exposed a few times, especially in that Canadian division that was kind of all over the place. But they bring in Nate Schmidt and Brendan Dillon, like Max alluded to, and they have Connor Hellebuck. And I think that's just going to stabilize the defensive play of that team and allow the forwards to maybe be a little bit more of themselves. And I think that's going to allow Winnipeg to, I, to for me, I think that's going to allow them to finish really well in this division. The rest of the division, Max said it, like from, from really from two all the way to six, I think it could go a bunch of different ways. I really like what Dallas has done. Uh, and by that, I mean, they haven't done a ton, but they've gotten a little healthier and they've brought in Orion Suter to kind of anchor that blue line. Uh, and then again, their goaltending situation is interesting too. Jason, you mentioned it with the Pacific with the goaltending, but they have who Anton Hudobin there. They, they still have Jake Ottinger, who's supposed to be the next one there. And Ben Bishop is kind of a guy who's just kind of hovering over the team right now. What's he going to do? Is he going to play? Is he going to just sit in LTIR and allow them to do some extra stuff with some cap space? Who knows? Uh, I, but I, I overall, Max said it. I like what Chicago has done, and I think they're going to finish in a playoff spot. And I think the Central, if if they do as well as they should, should get five spots in the playoffs in the West, uh, because uh, between St. Louis and Minnesota, uh, and you know some of those other teams, I I just think that they're stronger overall than some of those Western teams uh, in the Pacific, I should say. Um, but I don't love Minnesota. Uh, I haven't loved them in a while. 
I think they're they're kind of just a weird team altogether. And without Capers, I know they have them, but without them, they're not much. There's not much there. Uh, it's kind of we heard this from um, Max. We heard this. Who was it? It was a scout that we were talking to one time, or it was on the Rod Peterson show, maybe. But he said Minnesota's a bunch of nobodies, really, outside of Kaprizov. And then Kaprizov comes along and really just makes that offense dynamic, finally. Uh, but I still think St. Louis might have a bounce back year and finish ahead of those guys. Uh, that's my bold prediction for the year, is that with adding Brandon Sod and Pavel Buchnevich, uh, I think that's going to kind of just change the vibe of the team a little bit. Uh, and we'll see maybe Bennington has a bit of a bounce back because he was a little up and down last year. But overall, uh, I think five spots come out of the Central Division. I think it's a really deep division. I'm not going to say it's super top heavy, but I think it's I think it's very deep from, I'm going to say two to about seven. Uh, I don't think Arizona has a chance. So they're obviously eight. Uh, and then everybody else, though, they have a chance to do something this year. Even Nashville, Max. I, I think, you, like you said, they're going to be <laughs> a little scrappy. Nashville is going to be scrappy. So I don't think that anyone's I'm not counting them out at all. Uh, so we'll see. But oh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting division to see how it kind of just, you know, falls together. Yeah, I can't wait till Nashville raises that banner that says competitive ish. <laughs> yes. I'll design yeah, it for banner. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, real quick, I'll go through my picks for the Central. One through three, uh, we're pretty much on the same page, all of us. Uh, I got Colorado number one, Winnipeg two, and Chicago three. Um, I got Minnesota in fourth. Uh, if Caprizo plays that, and that was in my mind as yeah. well before Clark, you said it, yeah. and, and Max, uh, he's a big factor. I got Nashville finishing Huge. fifth. I, I like I it, Jason. Also, I like it. I, I think you're right, Clark. I think there's going to be five out of the central, and, and Nashville will be yeah. one of them, I, I believe. Uh, bottom three, I got Arizona, Dallas, and St. Louis finishing last. Um, I just St. Louis Benning last. Ooh. Yeah, I think I think Bennington's done. I think, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't think wow. they're going to pull much off this season. <laughs> Andrew Latt's going to come out of nowhere and have an eighty-point season for the Coyotes this year. Is that what you're saying, Jason? Andrew Latt, Louis Erickson <laughs> on the opposite Louis wing. Erickson. It's going to be dangerous. Yeah, and Jay Shane Beagle up the say. middle. <laughs> Jay oh. Beagle, <laughs> yeah. let's go. <laughs> I'm excited. All right, we'll uh, we'll go to Clark now for uh, his division. His Leafs are in the Atlantic Division. Sorry, can I go pop some popcorn that. real quick, Jason? Go I feel you. like we're going to be went, here in a minute. You yeah, just went on a twenty minute rant about the Nashville Predators, Max. Sir, we've only been live for twenty seven, so it was actually yeah. like twelve and a half. <laughs> <laughs> right, I won't be too long. Um, so the Atlantic to me, it begins and ends with Tampa Bay. I, I, there's not much to be said. Those guys are back to back Stanley Cup champs. They did lose some guys, but they're a factory there. They're just going to replace them with younger guys who are just the same. So they lost Gord, of course. They lost Tyler Johnson to Chicago, which we didn't mention earlier, but Tyler Johnson's in Chicago. So that's going to look weird. Uh, but overall they have a couple of younger guys that are already coming up and filling those spots. Um, so I think Tampa Bay is going to be just fine. Um, it might take them a while to get going. We saw it with Washington after their Stanley Cup, and I know they didn't win back-to-backs, but uh, we saw it with them where, you know, that next year, it maybe took them a while to get going. Now Tampa's had two really deep playoff runs, so it might take them a minute to get going. But once they kind of settle together and get back into their groove, I don't see them losing a whole lot of games. Uh, but after that, it's going to be really interesting, and I think two to four 
in this division could go a lot of different ways, but I think it's going to be between three teams. I think it's going to be Florida, Boston, and Toronto. I have it in that order currently, but again, uh, Toronto is one of those teams. They could finish second. They could finish first. Um, Boston's one of those teams. They could finish second. They could finish first. Florida, they made a bunch of changes, made a bunch of additions. Sam Reinhart, Sam Bennett, uh, among others. And I think that they've kind of they have a great blue line. Uh, they had to trade away guys out of their blue line because they have so many good ones. Uh, and Aaron Ekblad's coming back from injury, hopefully, uh, before too long for them. Uh, he's a big piece of that team. So I think Florida is strong enough that they could be one of those teams that just keep winning games and nobody can really beat. And Sergei Bobrovsky, we know it. He has a bad year and then a good year. He just had a bad year. So watch for Sergei Bobrovsky to win a Vesna. Uh, so we'll, that'll probably happen. So anyways, I think uh, in top four, um, I think that the East is going to be split 4-4 because uh, there's a lot of good teams in the East, but I think it'll be uh, split 4-4 in terms of playoff spots. I think it'll be Tampa, Florida, Boston, and then Toronto will come up in the rear and fourth. Uh, I do like, obviously, some of the moves Toronto made, but losing Zach Hyman is going to be hard to replace, uh, and the goaltending is going to be a question mark until it settles itself out. So once it does, and if it does, I think they could be really good, quite solid. Uh, and then the, it's just the, there's too many question marks with their left wing at the moment that I don't know the answers to. But just until camp hits and we start to see where guys are going to line up. Uh, Nick Ritchie coming in. Michael Bunting is a big question mark. Um, you know, is Kerfoot going to be a winger for Toronto? That's There's a lot of question marks with where everybody's going to fit right now. Is Nick Robertson finally going to crack the roster? That's super prospect of theirs that they have and i say super because he's the only one they got max so don't don't bash me for that no i but, get it you're hyping him up for the philip forsberg <laughs> trade that you really desperately yeah. want i got it i got it <laughs> yeah continue straight up for philip forsberg oh straight up Whoa, that that wasn't yeah. part of the proposal no, wow no. <laughs> we'll see I'll, I'll talk to kyle dubas after the after the show here tonight um after that i my prediction that um i think some people are starting to kind of come around on is i think ottawa is going to be a nice team this year. I'm not going to say they're going to be real good, but we saw it last year. They didn't go away in many games. Sometimes they got blown out, <laughs> yes, but they didn't go away. They kept scrapping and they kept fighting and they kept grinding. And they have those young guys that are coming along. And me and Max talked about it last episode. They have a guy like Drake Batherson who has some skill who's now going to be in their top line. They just signed him for a long-term deal. That Brady Kachuk is a guy every team in the entire league wants on their team. And uh, he'll eventually be back. I'm sure of it. They'll sign him and get him locked up. But everybody else on that roster just kind of has their role and they play it really well. And uh, they've gelled quite good over the last couple of years. So I feel like Ottawa could be a team that finishes in fifth. Um, they're, Montreal they're, is they're, th- they're thanking God that they played Calgary 10 times, probably. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, I think I think they're also happy they won't have to see Edmund at all because that was the <laughs> yeah. team they always got blown out by. Um, but I think Montreal with Shea Weber being out with Carey Price's health, you know, he's probably going to play uh, most of the season, but we'll see how that goes. And losing Philip Deneau from Montreal to LA, by the way, I forgot to mention that earlier, um, but losing him, um, losing Kotkaniemi the way that it happened, not necessarily that he's a player <laughs> that's going to sink the franchise, but the way that it happened was definitely, you know, shake up worthy. Um, Bringing in Christian Dvorak is interesting for Montreal, but overall, I think losing a guy like Shea Weber on the blue line, I don't think there's a whole lot of replacements for what he did for them uh, in terms of a power play quarterback and a workhorse. 
Um, I don't know how many guys on that blue line currently can fill that fully. Uh, even though he was getting older, he was still Shea Weber. So I think it's going to be, I think Ottawa can finish ahead, Montreal, and then Buffalo and the Red Wings will round out the bottom, uh, probably with Buffalo right at the bottom. I think Detroit is going to maybe take a small step forward from what they've been the last couple of years, but not much. It'll be a small step. Uh, <laughs> but other than that, so that's how I think the Atlantic's going to shake down. And I just did a six, seven minute uh, breakdown. So Max, I beat you. So Good work uh, for the first time <laughs> ever. Before we go to Max, real quick, Clark, uh, Tampa going to three-peat? I mean, if any team could have done it in the last while, I think it could be Tampa. Really, like, they still have Braden Point. They still have Stamkos. Kucherov's going to play all year long unless he gets hurt again somehow. Uh, Victor Hedman's getting back to health. I mean, they still have pretty much their entire roster. With Pittsburgh, when they went back-to-back, yeah. They, they lost a bunch of guys year after year. Tampa hasn't lost a ton of guys. They did lose their third line. Like I said, Yanni Gord and Tyler Johnson. Those are good players. But they have young guys, whereas Pittsburgh didn't have young guys. That was the biggest difference. Mm -hmm. Pittsburgh didn't have the next wave coming up. Tampa just always has waves. And, and shout out to Al Murray from Regina here. Uh, he's their assistant general manager, head scout. That guy has put together a roster that just continuously replenishes itself just like the New England Patriots for years in the NFL and so many like the Calgary Stampeders. I see your jersey on the wall, Jason. Uh, they, they just, you know, you know, guys leave, but another guy comes in and fills a spot just fine. And that's Tampa. So I, I'm going to say they have a much better chance than Pittsburgh did a few years ago to do it. Uh, and they would be the team to do it. But um, there are some good teams around the league, and that's going to be a tough battle, especially after two long playoff runs. I, I echo your sentiments, my friend. I, I don't know. I think yeah. this is to me, this right, is Max, one of the most you're up. Let's try and keep it under let's try and keep it under 15 minutes. Oh, I can do that. <laughs> don't worry. This one this one will be a lot quicker, I promise you. But uh no, when it comes to uh the Atlantic, I look at it. I mean, this is the most inter interesting division in hockey for me this year because the three Canadian teams are gonna get a wake up call from the three teams that have traditionally dominated this division. When I say traditionally dominated, I mean Florida's not quite in there. Boston is still going to be a very, very good team. Re-upping with Taylor Hall, um, re-solidifying the goaltending, even though Tuka Rask is maybe not quite what he once was, picking up Linus Allmark. I thought that was a really nice addition. And then you still got Jeremy Swayman there as well, too. Like They've got options in net. Uh, I agree with you wholeheartedly, Clark, on Tampa Bay. If there's going to be any team to do it, it would be these guys. Ross, Colton, Matthew, Joseph. They're just waiting, chomping at the bit to well, get into yeah. more games. And Alex Berry, Boulay is another one. Uh, they have Boris Kachuk, who's just sitting in the minors. They have Taylor Radish, who's just sitting in the minors. Like They have guys after guys. They have the, and, and Tampa, too, Max, to build on what you're saying, is another team that, you know, there's still a lot of good vets out there. Guys are going to sign there for league men just because of mm -hmm. what they've done. And I see like guys like a Jason Demers, for example, is still a free agent. Why wouldn't he sign a, a, a free agent league minimum deal to just go to Tampa and solidify that blue line even more than it already is? Like there's, there's guys like that around the league that will just go to Tampa because it's Tampa and it's great to live there. It's no taxes. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> uh, but another thing, Max, just to build on you, and then I'll let you keep going. David, David Krejci for the Boston Bruins is going to be a big loss for those guys. Uh, I think he was under uh, celebrated by Bruins fans. And I think he's going to be a, that's going to be a big hole for them, but we'll see how they fill it. I mean, they have Charlie Coyle. They have a few other guys that they brought in, but 
So we'll see. Anyway, sorry, Max. Yeah, Eric Holla coming at you, former Predators. I'll tell you what, yeah. as soon as you leave Nashville, yeah. you're due for a career year. That's the way she rolls. But no, it's uh yeah, an interesting division. I think you look at Ottawa too as the X factor. I'm I'm gonna go against your take a little bit, my friend. It's uh again, this division, this is not the Canadian division anymore. There's some good goaltenders in this division. Um, I've got a personal note of Drake Batherson. I don't think he's getting over 50 points for signing a $5 million <laughs> deal. Clark knows exactly why that's funny, but um, you know, it's uh, like I said, it, it's a very interesting division to watch for me. I think it's still the powers that we all know that we all kind of look to and Florida is going to emerge as the next one. I got them finishing second in the division. Um, like Clark said, Sergey Bobrovsky, if there's, three guarantees in life it's death taxes and Sergey Bobrovsky bouncing back after a bad season so I mean you look at them Toronto Clark I like your team I think they're going to finish in for sure but that Hyman loss is going to be one to replace and I really look forward to seeing Robertson actually crack that lineup and do some damage as well as your boy Adam Brooks I think he could be that really nice fill in that 12th 13th forward see what happens with the Ilya Mikheyev situation after the drama that occurred there um, again, wow. inter very interesting division, and that's the only way I can sum it up uh, from there for the Atlantic for me. Yeah, with Toronto, too, just on Zach Hyman. Now I'm going to go on my 15-minute round. Here we go. Uh, Perfect. So with, with Zach Hyman, uh, what they were able to do with that $5.5 that Edmonton gave Zach Hyman was they went out and they gave it to Nick Ritchie, Michael Bunting, Andre Kasha. Uh, so they filled it by committee. So that's where I said earlier there's a lot of those kind of just – we're not sure what it's going to be until we see is Nick Ritchie a third liner or did they sign him to put him on the first line with Austin Matthews or is, you know, are, are is Michael Bunting a, a fourth liner or did they sign him to put him in the top six and try to make him the Zach Hyman replacement? Uh, is Andre Kasha going to be healthy? That's why I, with Toronto, I'm kind of in wait and see, but that's why I put him in fourth for now. Uh, just because with Boston, there's more certainties with Florida. I think they added, some bigger pieces like Sam Reinhardt, as I mentioned, and, and a couple other guys, uh, and they were already on the rise. That's why I I, I agree with Max. I think Toronto's going to be there eventually. I'm I'm just kind of in wait and see mode because they could be great. It might not work out as well as they are hoping. And we're, we're oh, Clark, how, how did you what? miss your boy, Peter Morazic? That might have been the offseason acquisition. I, I talked about that in the first part when I started. I said there are two no, goal you said the goaltending was. Okay. We're not sure what it's going to be. I'm just checking you. We're it, in preseason mode. I'm holding you accountable. That's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're not sure what that goaltending tandem is going to be, Peter. If you want me to talk about it, I will. I was trying I to. I like the pickup. That's what I think is uh, in terms of additions with Toronto. I really like that pickup. I think he well, was yeah. sneaky your best for sure. He's been he's been a tandem goalie his whole career. He's been mm -hmm. a good one. He's had some really good numbers when he's done, you know, played 40 something maybe 50 games uh, and Jack Campbell's coming off a solid year so like I said in my first thing I didn't name their names but exactly well goal, you gotta name if them they're, okay if their goalies are strong that's where I see them maybe being able to finish in that second spot because it has the potential to have the best goalie production that they've had in a couple of years at least I know Freddie Anderson was a hero for a few years but even before that let's, let's look before that too it could be the best goalie duo that they've had in a long, long time. So if that's the case, then maybe yeah, I can see them going a little higher. Uh, but it could also maybe not work out as well as we want. So that's I'm putting my, I'm 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 uh, hesitantly putting Toronto in fourth, and I'm hoping for the best. <laughs> uh, all right.
That's uh, that's some great insight. And yeah, you're in preseason form, but you got to get into you got to get into game shape there, Clark. <laughs> yes, I need to do more podcasts. Oh, by the way, Jason, I'm wearing your hoodie today. Nice. Hoodie on today. Yep. You always that's happen to wear it on the day that you're on my show. That's crazy. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> Weird. Uh, all right. My picks for the Atlantic, of course, Tampa on top. Uh, they, like you said, they didn't lose much. Johnson really in my mind is, is all they lost. Um, as long as Vasilevsky can, uh, can stay healthy. I think they're good, but if something happens to him, they could be in trouble. Uh, I got Boston second. Crazy, crazy. Oh, yeah. I know. Could be. Um, it could be. Like I said, from two that, to four, I could see any of those teams going anywhere. It could, yeah, like Florida I mean, could. Florida could miss the playoffs, or they could be an absolute dynamite. Who? It's hard to say. Like, it's yeah, like division, Boston like lost. Uh, they may have lost Rask and, and Krejci, but I mean, they Hall was insane last year uh, playing in Boston. So if he can keep that up, I think they're they're going to be pretty solid. Uh, I got Toronto in third. Um, I think Toronto is going to be a force again this season, even though it's no Canadian division, but I think they'll still be pretty solid. They got the offense for sure. And if Jack Campbell can play like he played last season, they'll be all right. And, and not a bad backup, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. A a former number one guy who's a, who's your backup now. And it can't be too bad. Uh, I got Florida finishing fourth. Um, they could easily swap spots with Toronto, though. I mean, Sam Bennett was crazy last year after he left Calgary. Uh, Bobrovsky's yeah. always good. Um, so if he can stay healthy, um, yeah, I, I can see Florida doing really good things, uh, especially if Ekblad uh, uh, plays because, yeah, what happened to him last season was crazy. It's just uh, yeah, scary stuff. Uh, I got Montreal finishing fifth. Um, Carey Price is always a question mark in my mind. Um, he's a goalie that's either really good or really bad. <laughs> so not yeah, wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the big question mark there. And, and if he's healthy, who knows how healthy he is. Right. So, um, and then rounding out the three, I got Ottawa sixth, um, seventh, I got Buffalo and eighth the Detroit. I just don't see Detroit doing much. They're just, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, so I'm going to quickly run through my Metro picks because I don't follow the Metro really closely. So I don't really know what's going on a lot there. All I know is uh, that's where Ovi is. <laughs> Ovi <laughs> and Sid, that's where they are. Um, yep. I got the cat. I got the Caps finishing on top of the division. Uh, Ovechkin, uh, Kuznetsov, they're just unstoppable uh pretty much uh big question mark there is obviously going to be goaltending just like almost everywhere else this is the question mark um i got carolina finishing second i i like the moves that they've made uh especially <laughs> especially the uh mind games with montreal that's just that's the best thing i've seen in a long time <laughs> uh pittsburgh i got pittsburgh in third um they're a team that's kind of on the fence to me. Um, they can be really good. They're just, they don't seem to be playing as well as they really should be on paper to me. Um, I mean, you got Crosby, who's now the second best player in the world, I guess. Uh, or is he anymore? Who knows? Uh, I, I didn't really hear say. his name a whole lot last season. So it's, you don't really hear Crosby's name a whole lot anymore. So. Yeah, 
Um, goaltending, they they still got Jari, right? I believe Tristan yeah. Jari. Yeah. So um, I got the Islanders finishing fourth. I would have put the Islanders higher, except they lost Eberly. Eberly was he's not a huge loss, but I mean he was still pretty uh, pretty active on the offense. So um, I got them in fourth. Fifth, I got Philly. I don't even know who plays on Philly anymore. I... <laughs> Philly's a team that I've never really kind of followed or hear much about for some reason. And I don't know why that is, but <clears throat> um, I wrote my pick. I wrote my picks down crazy because I have the Islanders in sixth again. Who am I missing? I got the Rangers in seventh <laughs> and Columbus in eighth. Rangers? Um, yeah. Juzer, New Jersey Devils. Jersey, oh, new, that says New Jersey, not New York in six. That's yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, seventh, I got the Rangers, and eighth, I got Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, Blue Jackets are a team that I think is in shambles, and it may take a, a year, a season or two to to get things reorganized and and shape back up. I think. Max, why don't we yeah, go to I think you we... for your your or or Clark? Go ahead on the Metro. No, I was. Just... I was just going to say, Max can go ahead. I was just going to say, I think we have consensus that I think Columbus is probably going to finish last in that division, unless Max comes out of nowhere and puts them up higher. But I think, uh, yeah, they might have <laughs> lost a, a little too much uh, in Columbus in the last couple of years. But go ahead, Max. Yeah, we'll have to see. the uh, Again, the scrappy team of the division, I think, obviously, with uh, the offseason um, turmoil, the loss of uh, their goaltender. Uh, please help me with the name here, Clark. I, Matisse. Kiblenniak. Um, Thank you very much. Um, yeah. I think that could he be a the, potential he was their gal. Third stringer, though. He was their third string goaltender, but I mean, clearly, when you saw the tributes, and I mean, you look at Alvis Merzlikens going out and saying yeah. he's going to win a Vesna. Like it's those galvanizing things, and and I mean, in the off season, you can only take so much from from things leading up to camp. But I think that could be a real galvanizing thing for that team. He was obviously a well respected, well liked guy at least for the short time he was there. Um, obviously, yeah. just a tough loss organizationally. But at the end of the day. I agree with you both Columbus. That's that might be the easy lock for me. I'd like to see Patrick line and have a good year and maybe go into uh, whatever it is unrestricted or restricted free agency. Still, I think he might have one more contract of restricted. Just it feels like Patrick line has been in this league forever, but really he's only 22, 23. And that's why I'm betting on him to have a bit of a bounce back season. Like I said earlier, Jack Roslovich, he's going to be another guy that's a piece for them. Um, but they they're turning things over, right? John Tortorella, the longtime bench boss, of the team, he's no longer there. We're going to see a bit of a culture shift there and Clark I know you were calling for a one I know what that signal means so feel free well it was yeah thank you Max uh it was just on the goaltending thing just to finish up with Columbus um with with them losing Kavleniex like they did there was a lot of talks that Jonas Corposalo was going to get traded and he's their mm -hmm. you know 1a 1b goaltender um with uh Merzlikens and with that happening the way that it happened this summer they might not be able to trade Corpus Allo anymore, mm -hmm. which means their goaltending, their duo, that could be one of the better goaltending duos in the in the league, really depending on how everything breaks down. So, I mean, if there's a dark horse, like super weird pick, like Max said earlier, um, you know, they locked up Zach Wierenski. They went out and got Jakub Voracek from Philadelphia. They made that move. And they're probably going to put him on Patrick Laine's line with Jack Roslovic. That might be their first line. They could be a weirdly okay team, even though we're all counting them out. And I'm still going to put them in eighth. But they could be one of those teams that just has a weird year and finds themselves up in the standings. But uh, with this division, I just, I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, go ahead, Max. You're back on the clock. 
No worries. Yeah. And I guess we're going maybe from the bottom to the, of the division to the top. And this is where I might, this, this might be where, again, I don't think it's as bold a prediction anymore as it once was, but I got the New York Islanders finishing first. Um, when you look at the loss of Anders Lee in the back half of the season last year and still what they were able to accomplish in the playoffs, this is a team that's hungry. This is a team that in terms of culture and an identity, they are as strong as any in the league. They play Barry Trotz and Lou Lamorello hockey. And the team that they built there by re-upping, going out and getting Zach Parise, who might underratedly still have a little gas left in the tank if he can stay healthy, that could be an underrated pickup on a cheap contract. Um, you look at their top six forwards, right? You've got Matt Barzala, a burgeoning superstar, re-upping with Kyle Palmieri, John Gabriel Pajot. John, like, again, we could name these forwards one through 12. And it's, again, it's not maybe the most star-studded cast of folks, but man, oh man, can they play hockey and they play the game the right way. On defense, Ryan Pulak out there leading the charge. And then along with Adam Pellick, who emerged as a very, very good defenseman for this group. And then in net, you've got a very, very good solid tandem with Ilya Sorokin and then Semyon Varlamov. To me, this is as deep a team yeah. as they come in in one of the deepest divisions in hockey, I might add. So I've got New York finishing first, and I got Washington a close second. I think they're just always with that star-studded cast of characters they have over there. Um, are always going to compete for the top of the division or at the very worst second while Ovi, Ovi, eh, while Ovi is still doing his thing. Um, it's going to be a, a very, very good team to watch as always. Um, in third, it's, I don't know, to me, it's a bit of a toss up here. You've got a couple of teams that are sneaky. Like you look at the New York Rangers. I mean, what's not to like about what they are achieving, at least in terms of their draft capital. Is this the year Capo Caco finally comes out? Alex Lafreniere is going to actually have a rookie camp, a training camp, all of these things leading up into a proper NHL debut. I honestly look at this as Alex Lafreniere's rookie season. I think he could be the guy that we all knew he could coming out of the World Juniors and out of Ramuski. Um, again, this is going back to it very much like the Atlantic, and this is my biggest cliche of the year. And again, another very, very interesting division that's top-heavy. I look at Pittsburgh as a team where they could sneak into that fourth spot, but they're going to be playing catch-up with Malkin and Crosby, both on the shelf to start the year. So what happens there? Can Carter Hart be the guy for the Philadelphia Flyers and really kind of live up to that new 3.79 number match in AAV that everybody seems to like to do these days, picking up Ryan Ellis on the back end. I like what Philly's done. Um, Kevin Hayes, obviously losing his brother just a couple weeks ago. We all know how much hockey means in that family. And this could be another one of those playing from the heart every single night. And his buddy, Keith Yandel signing a, what is it? $800,000 contract. That might yep. be the best pickup on the blue line. In the entire NHL. One of Philly's biggest weaknesses last year was their power play efficiency. Mm -hmm. And they just went out and got Keith Yandel to go into that power play and probably be their power play one quarterback, I would think. Uh, and that just allows that allows Ivan Provorov to be a defenseman. It allows Ryan Ellis to go in there and do what he does best. It allows Rista Linen to not have a ton of pressure on him coming into Philadelphia because they just got Rasmus or Salina too. So I think Yandel being there on a third pair, but just to go out and be the power play one quarterback, that could be sneaky really good. Absolutely. And then Carolina, just to finish up real quick, I mean, their offseason is a mixed bag. They obviously didn't want to pay Alex Nadelkovich, which I think was the loss of the offseason. After watching him closely uh, a lot of games last year, I think they really missed by not retaining him for $3 bucks. 
Um, but going out and making some noise with this Yesberry Cockney pickup, we'll see what happens there with them. At the bottom, I've got the New Jersey Devils and the Columbus Blue Jackets to round out the division. But if I'm going to make my picks, it's it's a real toss up for me for the playoff spots. I mean, this is. I, I think the Metro and the Atlantic, you got to go four and four with just the strength of the teams in the divisions. But if I'm going to pick, it's got to be the New York Islanders, Washington Capitals, Carolina Hurricanes. And I'm going to say Pittsburgh finds a way because you always do with Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. So that's my four out of the Metro. Uh, so I got the Islanders one too, uh, as well. Uh, again, I think losing Eberle's may be tough and they also got rid of Nick Letty, uh, but they also we're able to dump Andrew Ladd and it opened up a lot of flexibility for them. Um, and I mean, we mentioned Andrew Ladd's going to be a star for Arizona this year. Uh, but um, yeah, I think, you know, Jordan Eberle was going to be a third line right winger anyways for them. And they have Oliver Wallstrom, who's a first round pick from a couple of years ago, who's going to slide right in. And again, New York is one of those teams. Again, they kind of got guys who just keep sliding in. And when you have a fourth line, like they do, Matt Martin, Casey Sezikis, and Cal Clutterbuck. Best fourth line in the league, if you ask me, for pound for pound. Mm -hmm. uh, those guys allow the guys above them to do their job, to do their own thing. To, so they can be the physical force that goes out and, you know, is that energy line that everyone always talks about. You know, Oliver Wallstrom can go into that third line and be an offensive player, and uh, et cetera, et cetera, up the lineup. They were able to keep Anthony Bavillier as well. I really like that. Keep, uh, and like Max said earlier, their tandem. We're talking about tandems a lot today, but uh, with Varlamov and Sorokin, I think they could be, in terms of actual tandems, not top-end goalie, but tandems, they could be the best tandem in the entire league, in my opinion, especially with that defensive team in front of them. They got a lot going on for them there. I have Washington, too, as well. I think it's going to be getting close to the last hurrah for this group with how old they're getting, but I don't think that they're too old that they're bad. Uh, I think that... Um, they did lose a couple of guys like they lost Brendan Dillon, for example, they traded him to, to Winnipeg. Um, but I think overall um, adding Anthony Mantha is going to be really huge for that team. It's going to be like a youthful rejuvenation almost to that top six. And I think he has a lot to prove uh, there. Uh, and I, I, overall, I think they're just a really solid team with a really good team identity. And we, we were able to actually talk to Alan May, who's their color commentator and he just said, this identity, this team, they're so together. Uh, and Av Ovechkin just has this team so on the same page as the captain. Uh, I just, I think they have enough still to be top in that, you know, top end of that division. I have Pittsburgh in three. And again, it's the same conversation. But with, with that group, that's the core group that's there. I think Tristan Jari had a rough year last year. And he's getting a really bad reputation. I don't think he's as bad as he is or as, as he was last year. I think he's better than that. Uh, so I think he'll have a bounce back type of season. And they've made some slight little moves here and there to kind of tweak their roster. Jason Zucker had a terrible year last year also. And I think he's due for a bounce back. There's a few guys who didn't really have great years and they still made the playoffs. So I think they'll be pretty good. They'll be just fine. I have the Flyers in fourth. And this is the conversation we had earlier with the Keith Yandel pickup. But they did go out and added. Their defense was their biggest problem last year. There was just a mess all around the ice defensively. And they went out and they moved. This is a sneaky move, but they moved Voracek to, for Cam Atkinson from Columbus. Cam Atkinson's a, a pure sniper, whereas Voracek was a playmaker. He didn't score a ton of goals. Cam Atkinson has 30 goal potential every year he steps on the ice, even though he's had some health issues and some, some lineup issues with John Tortorella in Columbus. Who <laughs> didn't have lineup issues with John Tortorella in Columbus? <laughs> um, but I think he'll come to Philadelphia and be more 
be able to be more of himself, be a scoring forward. And then they add Ryan Ellis, Rasmus Ristolainen for a ton of – well, Ellis doesn't have size. Ristolainen has size, a ton of size with Ristolainen, and then Keith Yandel to just take care of the power play. Uh, they already have Couturier, Giroux. They still have, uh, like Max said, Kevin Hayes. Uh, so I still think that Philly is a team that didn't lose much, but they added some really nice pieces to that lineup. I like Philly to finish fourth, which leaves me with the Rangers finishing fifth. And, and Ma- for every reason Max said, you know, the rookies are going to have better years. I feel like they got more physical. They got bigger. Uh, Ryan Reeves, they went out and got Sammy Blaze from St. Louis. They went out and got Barclay Goudreau from the Lightning. Uh, and I think the defense was pretty good already last year. Plus, they have those two good young goalies with Shostyurkin and Georgiev. Uh, so I think they're going to maybe push for that fourth spot. I don't know if it's right, if it's there yet. But uh, that leaves Carolina for me at sixth. And that's hard for me to say because everybody's been hyping Carolina for years. Uh, they've been growing and growing and growing. But they went out and they lost Dougie Hamilton. And Max also said that they lost Alex Nedeljkovic. And they also lost um, Peter Mrazek. And they, they brought in Freddie Anderson, sure. They brought in Antti Ranta, Sure. But those guys have been extremely injury riddled for a few years now, both of them. Uh, and uh, together, maybe they're great, but they could also both be hurt by the third week of the season. So uh, it's going to be really hard in Carolina for me to justify losing Hamilton and losing a few other guys. Um, and I don't know if adding Kotkaniemi is going to be the piece that gets them over the hump, especially for giving them $6 bucks this season. Um, I don't know if that's the one that's going to really move the needle a ton for them. He might be really good as a winger for them, so we'll see. Uh, and then I, I, the, the problem is, in this division, I think the Devils might have had the best offseason, and I still think they're going to finish seventh. <laughs> uh, I just – I don't know. That team all, all around, I they haven't been extremely productive. Their young guys, their number one overall picks, haven't you know been super – Number-wise productive yet, Nico Heeshear, Jack Hughes, maybe they will this year. Um, but they went out and got Dougie Hamilton, who we just talked about. They went out and added Thomas Tatar. They added a couple other veteran forwards. Uh, and they have Jonathan Bernier now with Mackenzie Blackwood. I kind of like a lot of stuff that they did. Uh, but, you know, I still think that they're going to finish seventh with Columbus and eighth. So there's my Metro breakdown. Islanders, Capitals. Uh, Penguins, Flyers. I think it'll be really interesting, though, with r- the Rangers in Carolina to see what they do. Yeah, uh, I actually forgot about Dougie Hamilton leaving Carolina. That's uh, yeah, maybe that that might bump them down a notch in my, in my picks. <laughs> that was the main reason I had them at six because he was their power play guy and he really drove their offense. And with him not there, they also lost Jake Bean to Columbus. Uh, and he was going to be their next kind of guy. So I don't know who's who's their power play guy now. And I know it's not the be-all, end-all, but it's pretty important. Uh, they have Brett Pesci. They have Jacob Slavin, uh, Brady Shea. So they have a few guys. But I think they took a big hit with losing Dougie Hamilton. Bigger than they're all, I think a lot they're of also betting big on a much maligned player that, again, as far as headlines go, Tony D'Angelo, can he just shut up and play hockey? Because if he does... <laughs> this is a guy that could be an X maybe factor he fills for in. a team. Maybe he yeah, does. Maybe, maybe and then he picking fills up in. Ethan Bear from the Oilers too. I mean, you Ethan can't Bear. forget that it's, okay. there, there's still some players there in Carolina, and that's. I mean, you look at that forward group. Andre Svechnikov's only going to get better. Tuivo Teravainen's going to be healthy again this year. Sebastian Ajo, 
the man that inspired the $20 signing bonus, uh, oh, I guess lining I up it. with fellow Finnish countrymen, Jesperi Kakaniemi. Yeah. That's the thing that I really did like about the Kakaniemi pickup is however much fellow countrymen have to do with something in terms of maybe feeling like home when you're on the road in the hotel room, getting to speak your native language, getting to, to I guess, gel with some very good players. I really like the Kakaniemi pickup. We all know the $6.1 million price tag isn't what it's going to be for a long-term deal for him, but that's what you got to do in offer sheet season. You got to pay a little bit more to get the player. But I think this could be a year where we see at least a half a point of game production out of Kakaniemi, and you're going to see a motivated guy as well, not only just for the money and maybe earning some long-term security with a good organization, but again, the fact that he's going to be playing with some guys that He's very familiar with in terms of his homeland, and I think that that speaks volumes in being a young player in the best league in the world. I, I sneaky like Kakaniemi as a dark horse player this year. If I'm looking at fantasy drafts, I'm I'm picking him as a late round sleeper without a doubt. Well, yeah, and they have Jordan Stahl, they have Vincent Trocek, Martin Nakash. Like they have some guys for sure. Like, oh I, yeah, I, it's mm-hmm. really hard for me to count them out. The goaltending, I'm with you though, Clark. The goaltending without a doubt. It, that's hey, that's the like, big question mark. It's kind of similar to what I said about Toronto. Like maybe this tandem's really good together, but there's a percentage chance that it could be really bad. Uh, and not necessarily that they're bad goalies, but just health wise, they're not, maybe they aren't a hundred percent. And if that's the case, it could all just go out the window. Um, but you know, I'm looking at their, I'm looking at their daily face off, which if you don't know dailyfaceoff.com, it's a great website um, for, you know, lineups, pairings, et cetera. They got Ian Cole as well. So they, their top six defense actually isn't all that bad. It's just going to be who's going to replace what Dougie Hamilton was for that team. He was so huge there, um, putting up major points and moving the puck and you know keeping teams on their ankles. And it's really tough to see who's going to replace him. But their their forward group is it's pretty deep. So, I mean, I, they uh, could, I just think that that division overall is going to be really strong. Mm-hmm. I think they're one of the few teams that adopts a four and one first unit power play because they are deep in their top four or five forwards there. So that's, that's what all, I see. All five. Exactly. Forwards. Yeah. All forwards. Tom Dundon yeah. likes offense. Anyways, five you're never going to see play. him draft a defenseman in the first round. He said it already. So yeah. anyways, five yeah. Very interesting division for sure. Yeah. So there you go. All right. Yeah. So uh, those are the uh, picks for the division uh, where the teams are going to finish in the divisions. Uh, before we uh, sign off here and uh, take off for the night, let's have real quick your pick for the Stanley Cup winner this season. Max, who's taking the Stanley Cup this season? Man, this is this is where I would like to defer give, give, to. Give me, give me a Stanley Cup winner and a dark horse. Can I plead the Bob McKenzie and not make a prediction in early September, Jason? <laughs> You're going to do that to me, hey? I'm going to take the fifth. No, you know what? I mean. This this could change very drastically by the time Clark and I do our season previews. Just I, I've really got to go through a study of all these teams. But at the end of the day, like I look at it as there's just going to be some incredible hockey played this year. I I got to go with the Colorado Avalanche. I have to. I really think that in terms of favorites, like I said, I'm going to stand by my Darcy Kemper being one of the pickups of the offseason. I think that could be the guy that just fills the net for that team. And Nathan McKinnon, he... He continues to evolve into the one of the best leaders in the game, uh, and they take a step forward. So I got to go with the Colorado Avalanche as a favorite. If I'm going to take a dark horse, oh man, oh man, Jason, don't do this to me. Ah, <laughs> you know what? I will say it. I am very, very optimistic, and especially if it's a dark horse pick, 
I really like the logo on my hat. I really like UC Soros and I know what he's capable of, especially on a team that's not that great in front of him. But with that being said, I also don't want to say that this year because I know that there's some really good pieces that they picked up. Didn't even talk about Philippe Myers being a guy that could be a, a replacement for Ryan Ellis on the back end, bringing a different dimension. They're younger up front, but they were the most successful last year when they were young. And those young pieces now only have another year of development. So that could be a team that the Nashville Predators are just strong one through 12 and one through five slash six on the back end riding UC Saros. Anything can happen in September anyways when you're making predictions. So I'm going to be positive with my boys tonight. Go Preds, go. <laughs> That's bad. fair. That's fair. Matt uh, Clark, what do you think? I I want to also say Colorado. Uh, I picked them last year, so it's hard for me not to pick them again this year because their defensive group is so good. Uh, getting Kemper is a nice move. Uh, and their forwards are great. But they did lose Don Skoy, who was kind of a, you know, not an X factor, but he was really kind of a key piece to what they had going on. Uh, and they lost Brendan Saad, too, who was a guy who could play anywhere in that lineup pretty much. Um, so not that they lost, not that those guys are going to kill them uh, in terms of their depth, but I still think they'll be really good. I'm going to go with Vegas. Um, I'm going to – I'd love to say Tampa, but the odds of them three-peating are, are slim. Like, it's just – it's so hard to do. Um, I'm going to say Vegas, uh, just is a little bit different this year. Uh, I still think that they, you know, they've gotten so deep every single year. Uh, and I think that they're not done yet in terms of adding. I don't think that they're, they're just going to be the team that they are currently come playoff time. I think they're going to, they're going to make some sort of splash, uh, and what that is, I don't know, but they're, they're centered up to questionable. So maybe they go out and make a big splash for some centerman. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. I think that they could be the team, though, this year. Um, dark horse, and I'm going to say uh, a couple of teams just to kind of cop out. And not no, no, no. <laughs> no, no, you get one. You get I one. Think, he said okay, one dark fine. horse. I'll take. I'll give you a west and an east, and I'll give you oh. a west. I think it's going to be oh. Chicago. <laughs> I, I, I think Chicago could be the – I don't know if they're even a dark horse, but they haven't been very good lately. But the one that I'll actually say, uh, I think the Flyers. Uh, I think the Flyers could be a dark horse. Again, I love what they did with their blue line. Uh, and I think Carter Hart is due for a bounce back. Uh, they went out and got Martin Jones as their backup goalie. And I know he hasn't been great, but I think he's going to be a nice stabilizing backup for Carter Hart. Uh, and maybe he'll teach him a thing or two about going through tough times. Because uh, <laughs> Martin Jones has, <laughs> has had his fair share. Uh, but I, I just like their group again. Um, overall, their, their forward group, is it's got size. It's got physicality. They are able to score. Uh, they play defense. Sean Couturier is one of the best shutdown centers in the league. And I, again, I just love what they did with their defense. So I'll say Vegas and I'll say the Flyers, but uh, I don't like either pick necessarily. <laughs> it's tough. <laughs> I myself, uh, we're very close, Clark. We're very close. I'm going to say Tampa Bay is going to three-peat. Uh, that's yeah. my favorite pick. And Dark Horse, I'm going with Chicago. Uh, I think yeah. Mark Andre Fleury is going to be a huge difference, and uh, Patrick Kane is insane year after year. And if Taves is healthy, they're going to be pretty potent. So I'm going yeah. to Chicago. If Taves is course. back, if Taves is back, I'll tell you what: if he's anywhere close to what he was, uh, that team will be interesting. So, guys, they pick up a Vesna Trophy winner and arguably a top ten defenseman in the NHL, and we're going to call him a dark horse, eh? 
<laughs> well, what have they been the last few years? Yes, well, they're a dark horse. They've been that's right. three Stanley Cups in the last 10 years. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. They, they went from being a whooping horse last season to a dark horse now. I like it, boys. Go. Good stuff. <laughs> they go. may be a thoroughbred the, one day. <laughs> they had the third overall pick just a couple of years ago, Max. Of course, they're a dark uh, horse. That's right. Yeah, that's right. That NHL draft lottery. What a beautiful thing. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. As always, great talking to you guys. I love talking hockey, and uh, you two are definitely two of my favorites. So uh, oh, I'm going to have you on a lot more for sure. And uh, we're going to wrap things up here. So thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll chat again real soon. Thanks a ton, Jason. Thank you. Thanks, Jason. Hey, everyone. I'm here to tell you about a new craft distillery in Calgary, Broken Spirits Distillery. These guys are making some amazing craft spirits and cocktails from spice sugar cane to different styles of gin. Broken Spirits are proud to be part of the Puck and Pigskin podcast and want to offer you 15% off your purchase, either in-house at the distillery or online at brokenspirits.ca. Punch in offer code BROTHERS15 to claim your discount. Go in for a cocktail and check them out. You won't be disappointed. How's it going, guys? It's going good. Wanted some money tonight. Oh, hang on one second. Ah. <laughs> That's a fluke. Jared and Travis Ryan here, two drunk brothers in a podcast. This, of course, is Betting with the Brothers, brought to you by Broken Spirits. Uh, yeah, what a game, hey? Oh man! I mean, we 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 lost money on it, but it was such a fun game to watch. And we were talking about our pot. We just got finished up recording our podcast for the week, and we we were watching the Eli and Peyton uh, stream, which was oh, super yeah. fun. It was super fun to watch. I had no idea that was even going on, or else I would have definitely watched that because I, I heard it was pretty interesting. Yeah, you, you have to tune in. Uh, we were talking, and they're doing like 10 or so. I think they're doing it again this upcoming uh, Monday, which might not be as good of a game. But they give you like a deep dive analysis, which even for a football fan who doesn't know a whole lot or even for somebody who does know a whole lot, it just gives you like a glimpse into their perspective, which is wild because it really shows you what you don't know about the game of football. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's cool. I, they, I I wish they would do something like that for hockey too. That'd be pretty sweet. That would be that cool. would be awesome because a lot of people don't know jack shit about hockey. <laughs> <laughs> well, Fox Fox tried to tried to teach people about hockey with the glowing puck and all that kind of crap. Yeah, that didn't last very long at all. That didn't last very long at all. They could. Uh, nope. They just need to do what Nickelodeon did with the uh, with their game, their football game last year. <laughs> uh just kidding all right so uh you guys got some uh, a few picks for me this week i mean we yeah do. absolutely man all, all right travis let's hit it first with you what do you got we rolling into to the picks how many we do how many are we given this week let's start out with that well uh last week we did three and then i sprung the raiders one on on Jarrett. so maybe we'll do three again and the raiders one Okay, I just want to make sure. 
I, I, I don't I, I don't want to get I don't want to give away all your picks because no no I want to make sure I give you my my best ones that I like. <laughs> uh, we'll roll in with what we just talked about in our podcast, my lock of the week. So my one that I'm most confident in, one that you're going to put the most amount of units on to get a good return on, is going to be the Cardinals, uh, the Arizona Cardinals this week. They are four and a half point favorites at home versus the Vikings. Uh, Vikings coming off a loss against the Bengals. Didn't look good. Cardinals coming off a win versus arguably a very, like, super, not even Super Bowl favorite, but postseason favorite in the Titans. Big run game. I feel like if they can stop Derrick Henry and the Titans are going to be able to stop Dalvin Cook and the Vikings, four and a half points at home is nothing uh, for what Kyler Murray looked like in week one. Now, before we move on to Jared, I'm looking at the – I have the score app here on my phone. So I'm looking at the Vikings and the Cardinals game that's listed here, 2.05 p.m. It says minus 4.5 uh, beside the Cardinals. Beside the Vikings, it says T51.0. What does that number represent? That's the total. So, like, the, the total in the okay. game is 51. Yeah. So, like, both scores okay. combined. So, like, last night – uh, a lot of people uh, had the over in the in the Ravens Raiders game, and yeah. and they were kind of bummed because it was kind of a slow start, and then at the end there's just points galore, and uh, the over ended up hitting. So that's what that means total of uh, fifty one. Yeah, I heard about one guy who apparently lost three hundred grand on the on the last second field goal by the Raiders because that put the score over. <laughs> yeah, either, either that either that put the score over or going into overtime would have put the score over like the points scored in overtime so yeah yeah if, if, if he didn't lose it on the field goal he for sure lost it on that on that uh game winning touchdown to, to yeah. say Jones. so and we yeah. had uh we had one that a uh, bad beat that kind of burned us we had brian edwards uh under three and a half uh receptions on the game had none going into that last uh game tying drive <laughs> yeah. and is burnt us very bad beat for us. So yeah, uh, bad. he had four catches in like the last like seven completions. Derek Carr had it was insane. <laughs> yeah. It happened. So that's gambling for you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. no kidding. All right, Jared, let's roll with you. What do you got? So Travis gave us his lock. I'll give you guys my lock of the week. It is another NFC West team. I got the Rams minus three and a half going going into Indianapolis. And it sounds like somebody had a vacuum going on just now. I think it was Jason. <laughs> He's shaking his head. Uh, it happens, man. My dog barks around my podcast all the time, uh, or our podcast. Uh, I got the Rams minus three and a half at the Coles. Three-unit play on Sunday. It's my lock of the week. Uh, listen, I mean, we just we watched Carson Wentz got absolutely bullied by the Seattle defense on Sunday. He was sacked three times. He fumbled the ball, was hurried on 16% of his dropbacks, third most in week one. Uh, I mean, just imagine what Aaron Donald and that Rams defensive line is going to do to the Colts and that, and that offensive line. Also, the Indy secondary got torched by Lockett and Metcalf. Uh, imagine what's going to happen with, you know, uh, Stafford going to Cooper Cup, uh, Robert Woods, Tyler Higby, Van Jefferson, guys like that. So Rams minus three and a half, minus four, wherever it's at, go ahead and lock it in. All right, go and lock it in. And Travis, why don't you give me one more here? All right. Uh, my next one, one I might be, I might steal some thunder away from Jared because we both had this pick on our podcast, but I'm going to go for it anyway. It's a college football game Saturday uh, after the evening, 5 o'clock here Central Time. 
It is East Carolina at Marshall Thundering Herd. We are Marshall uh, getting 10 points favorite at home. Uh, we are both, and I'm speaking for us on both of our behalf, and that's a pick. So we both, cause we, when we make our picks, we do so separately. And if we both pick the same one, uh, you know that, that we've got some value right there. So we're both taking Marshall minus 10 uh, so far this year, for, uh, averaging 46 points a game, only allowing eight points a game. Meanwhile, Eastern East Carolina is 0-2. Granted, they do have losses to Appalachian State and South Carolina, but they have not looked very well in either game, only scoring 17 and 19. I think this Marshall defense is going to smother them and put some points up on the board with their QB, young QB, Grant Wells, and, and steamroll this uh, – this team in East Carolina at home. All right. Sounds good. I think we may have lost uh, Jarrett. Oh, there oh, we go. He is. I'm back now. <laughs> he, Sorry. He... My, my computer died. So yeah, Rams minus three and a half. So I don't know. I don't know what pick Travis just got, but yeah. Uh, Marshall. He took a college game. We are Marshall. Yeah. That was a, that was a game that I liked a lot as well. Um, I'll roll into another pick for you guys. It's a little bit of, of a high value, so it's one I would sprinkle a little a little bit less money on. But I got Michigan State money line at number 24, Miami. College game, obviously. It's at 11 a.m. on Saturday. Michigan State's a big-time underdog in this one. Uh, but I don't think Miami's very good. They got trounced by Alabama. I think that ruined their whole season. Uh, they beat Appalachian State by two points at home last weekend. Uh, and Michigan State's look damn good. Uh, their quarterback averages 10 yards uh, per completion, the running backs averaging 10.7 yards per carry, which is amazing. I think Michigan State goes on the road and gets this done again. Their money lines plus one, plus 195, very high value. So only put a unit on it, but I like that pick a lot. And and once again, the money line is just betting win or lose, right? Yes, sir. Yep, just yeah. Just Michigan State to win. I'm picking this stuff up. I'm picking it up. Yes, you are. <laughs> All right, so Travis, I guess I'm going to hit you with the uh, with the Raiders game this week. It looks like uh, oh, we man. got a looks like we got a five and a half point spread and a total of forty seven points. All right, I love it. Let me pull, let me pull it up here. You you uh, you caught me by surprise. Who are, who are they playing? <laughs> they are playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oof, you're you're not going to like yeah. it. You're on not the road, like though. On the you road in last Pittsburgh. Week. <laughs> Listen, last again. Last week was a fluke. The Ravens should have won by ten. We all know it. Uh, just I, I'm just giving you <laughs> giving you a hard time. But in all reality, I gotta go with the Steelers minus five and a half. They are coming off a huge win versus versus uh, the Bills. They were able to shut Josh Allen down. They looked so sharp on defense. Now. Offense is a different story, but shouldn't really pose too much of a problem against the Raiders. I hate to say it, uh, uh, even though the, the way Derek Carr and that offense looked might give the uh, defense a little bit more trouble, but I got to go with the uh, Steelers minus five and a half. Jarrett, can you agree with me? I can't. Unfortunately. I actually, I actually like, what, what was the over-under in that game, Jason? What was it at? Uh, it is 47. I actually like the under, I think, in this one. Yeah, I like the under. So Travis Travis gave you the spread there. I don't I don't mind like I 
And to be quite frank, like I'm probably not going to put money on this game at all. Like I don't feel comfortable enough, but since you're a Raiders fan, you have, you have a Raiders following. I'll definitely give you a pick. I don't mind Travis's play at Steelers minus five and a half. I do like the under of 47 though. I think it's going to be a low scoring game and the Steelers are going to hold the Raiders to a low amount of points. And like Travis just said, the Steelers offense took a while to get going on Sunday. That very well could happen again uh, in week two. So I actually like the under 47 in that one. So how do you guys like the uh, parlay then of uh, taking the Steelers uh, five and a half spread, the under 47 and say the Steelers, That I guess that would mean if you're picking the Steelers against the spread, you're also picking them to win, right? Yeah, so you, yeah, can't, you can't parlay spread and money line on the same thing, uh, but you can oh, parlay okay. the spread or money line with the over-under. Yeah, and okay. something we didn't talk about last week. Oh boy, Jerry's going to open up a can of worms. I can hear. It. I am. I already know <laughs> they're, it's coming. They're called uh, they're called teasers. So <laughs> you it. can either you either buy a six a six and a half or a seven point teaser. Now, what a teaser is, so like in this instance, Jason. So if you wanted to bet on the Steelers and the under, you could do what's called a tease and tease seven points. So that moves the line. So basically, if you wanted to do a seven-point teaser of the Steelers minus five and a half and the under 47, that would make the Steelers minus uh, one and a half, or sorry, plus one and a half, and the under of 54. So it moves the line, and you, they both have to In hit though for that. Yeah, they both have to hit for that bet to win. So like I did that on the Monday night game. I didn't like the Rams at minus eight or wherever at the time, so I did a seven-point teaser to do Rams minus one and the under of like 55 or whatever of, of whatever it made it and I, and I and that bet hit but you could also do it the uh, other okay. way and say and say and add 7 on the raiders side so it could be raiders plus 12 and a half uh and then if you wanted to go over you could go over 40 so if you're going over it takes the number down if you're going under it takes the number up and then you can right. add the points on either side whichever you take that would probably be something I'd be more interested in the Raiders game. It's probably I'd probably tease it on the Raiders side of things to move to twelve really? and a half. You yeah, think that the, you think the Raiders are threatening? No, no offense to Jason. I know your Raiders <laughs> podcast, but they they came off a huge win versus the Ravens. I really and and I'm going to say with ninety nine percent certainty that they that the Steelers are going to win this game. So I would go. I would tease it on the Steelers side. To, to pretty much make them to win and then the other. That's what I would do. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> so so in that game, aside from the, say, the first quarter and a half, uh, the Raiders looked pretty good, didn't they? I mean, Carr threw for over 400 yards. He did. If, if, we're, if we're taking a pick in the game, uh, it's going to be a prop on Darren Waller. And it's going to be over on his receptions or yards because we yeah. did it on Monday night, and it's easy money. He was targeted, yeah, nineteen times. He was targeted, yeah. which is insane. Yeah. So that that might be the rest of the season. Like, if we're going to talk Raiders games, we might just come on and be like, "Hey, whatever Darren Waller's over on receptions or yards is, take it because that's like easy money." We did both last night, and they both hit. So um, <laughs> those are those are always. The player props add a little bit of element to the gambling because they like give you something else to cheer for. Like while the like even if it's a blowout, you'd be like, "Oh, I need so and so to get this many yards or so and so to get this many catches," and you're just cheering for them to like get the ball, and it's it, 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 it makes it a lot of fun. 
and it, and it really adds to so say say we bet on the Steelers, you know, uh, this upcoming week. Uh, it adds to to the fact that even whenever the Steelers don't have the ball, when the Raiders have the ball, it's like, hey, it's okay if Darren Waller catches the ball and then get first down and score because we ha- we have bet on him. Even though we bet on the Steelers, we're still kind of right. around on the other side. Yeah. Okay. Huh, there you go. That's uh, that's the brothers' picks for this week, and uh, we'll see you guys again next week with some more picks, and we'll see uh, what happens this weekend. Awesome. Thanks for having us, Jason. Ra- Raiders are going to win. <laughs> see you guys. Oh, it. For your- <laughs> <laughs> thanks, guys. Yeah, no problem, man. No thanks, problem. thanks for having us on. What it is, what it do. Ladies and gentlemen, Joshua Adam William Arbuthnot here for the Raider Report on the Puck and Pig Skin Podcast. I'm here right now in fabulous Viva Las Vegas. Just got a chance last night to see the Las Vegas Raiders take down the Baltimore Ravens in person. And what a way to start off this Las Vegas Raider season, folks. You know, maybe not just the NFL game. So far of the year, maybe the best sports game of the year. Now, obviously, up here, it's recording Canada. There's going to be some other games. The Canadian women's team comes to mind. But, man, we were in for a show, and, uh, man, was I happy to be there. Uh, missed the first five minutes of the game. Uh, if you're an international traveler coming down here, I would say come down a little earlier because the Americans have uh, vaccination cards, and we have those papers uh, for our double vaccinations, and you have to go through a different line for international side it's a little bit longer because you have to get a, a wristband for it because they don't take the paper in compared to the vaccination card. So a little FYI, that kind of derailed us for a little bit. So I didn't get to see that initial first drive until this morning when I watched back the game and got to see that really cool Mariota play. And that's something I hope that they maybe use going forward uh, overall. First, let's talk about the atmosphere. Just everything you would imagine from Vegas. There's a live band going. There's lights going sound going uh, as far as loudness it got pretty loud i've been to a handful of nfl stadiums um definitely louder than denver definitely louder than mile high and that's not just a raider fan taking a shot a mile high or anything but definitely um <clears throat> definitely louder than mile high i uh, went to a lion stadium that was okay but not as good as that the seattle is still the loudest i've ever been in which is crazy because sound travels up with the roof and it's still crazy there with the 12s they're definitely holding it down but las vegas definitely brought it it's going to be very interesting as the season goes on and this is my concern with the raiders leaving oakland is the idea that you know vegas is such a tourist city and you're going to have people visiting and other fan bases are going to travel and baltimore fans travel pretty good but i'm really interested in the future when you have teams like a seattle that travel very well a dallas cowboys a new england patriots a Green Bay Packers, for example, how those fans are going to travel and how maybe they take over a line. Because even talking to some friends and colleagues, you could at times hear Baltimore fans pretty audibly on the television watching some of the highlights back today. You could hear them a little bit at times. Obviously, we heard them in the stadium. I wasn't sure if that would apply to the television setting. But nonetheless, there still was a good amount of Raider uh, fans there, good amount of Raider spirit there, lots of celebrities there. I had the uh, privilege of passing uh, from the... Vegas aces of Aja Wilson and Kelsey Plume. Uh, so that was very cool. 
Uh, for the game itself, experience was fantastic. The game itself, what a roller coaster. Uh, my, my biggest takeaway from the early side is not a great first half for the Raiders. I think Carr started 2 of 11, throwing a lot of drops by Darren Baller. He was targeted 19 times. Uh, I think a lack of a preseason definitely hurt the Raiders um, because you could tell there was a lot of rust there. And I think, too, losing Rodney Hudson under that center position. We saw that a little bit with the Packers this week uh, with Lindsey not being there for Aaron Rodgers. But having Andre James under center instead of Rodney Hudson that obviously affected the Raiders a little bit there. You could see even the way the ball was getting snapped and the way the car was taking it, you could tell he was a little bit uncomfortable with the way that the ball was coming out. They obviously figured it out later on down the road, but I think that's why you have a preseason game to kind of get some of those things figured out. And, you know, no Nelson Aguilar this year, so you could tell at times Carr obviously was going to Waller, but who else is going to be my receiver? He seemed to go to Hunter Renfro a lot. I don't know if Hunter will be his go-to receiver. Ruggs got targeted, I think, three or four times. Uh, Brian Edwards obviously had a huge play down the stretch, so I think he's trying to figure out how those receivers will work, but he definitely had a derail dialed in with Darren Waller there, except for some of those drops. And I think that's stuff as the season goes on that you'll figure out. Um, Lamar, you know, just a fun player to watch live. Uh, but I, I really thought the defense and Gus Bradley, you know, we, we talked about it when I was with Jason, how much of a difference Gus Bradley would bring to this team on the defensive side of the ball. And he really, really did. He's such a difference maker for what this Raider defense could be. Uh, Max Crosby really got at it. Yannick Ngamwe, you saw, had a few stuffs. It's unfortunate Gerald McCoy got hurt. I hope he's okay. K.J. Wright had a few key stops. You could tell he was great. Carl Nassib, man, what a story this summer with him. And then comes in and gets the fumble there, forces the fumble near the end there to get the ball back after the first win. Now we get the second win. Uh, that was uh, that was incredible. Just shocked that Lamar fumbled it two times. And you could tell in his presser. He was uh, obviously really derailed and very emotional about having those two fumbles. And you could tell, too, with Baltimore that he had his targets to Hollywood Brown. Mark Andrews did not really get targeted that much, which I was surprised with. Sammy Watkins got a few times, but you could tell he wasn't as comfortable with Tyson Williams and Latavius at times that he would be with J.K. Dobbins or with a Gus Edwards. So that'll be interesting to see how that goes. I mean, Tyson Williams had that fantastic run, and Latavius got a touchdown as well. But as the season goes on, we'll see how comfortable he is with those backs compared to having uh, a Dobbins there. But I also think the Raiders' defense did a tremendous point. And, you know, when we did, Jason and I did our early preview of this last week, I said that the defense is going to be the most important thing for this team. It hasn't really been consistently a top 20 defense in a long time. And the one thing last year we saw it in that Chargers game, for example, and the Miami game, that they could get a lead, but then they really couldn't hold it. And... This is the first year you finally believe that the defense can hold it because, you know, when the pass goes through Willie Sneed's hand and the Ravens get the ball back, in the past years, being a Raider fan, you just assume that that team, whoever it may be, let alone having Lamar Jackson, were going to come down and score. And the defense really did their all. I mean, they almost, you know, the Mark Andrews uh, hit looked like they forced a fumble there. And then the next play, they come back and force Lamar to get the fumble, and then they come right back and hit that after a bizarre set with the kick and everything like that. Able to hit Zay Jones. Uh, really happy for him to have his moment and get the touchdown. So it's, it's going to be an interesting matchup against Pittsburgh. Two defensive teams there. Pittsburgh coming off a big win, knocking off the Bills. Raiders knocking off this Ravens team. For the Ravens, they go to Kansas City on Sunday night, looking to be, potentially be 0-2. And for the Raiders, they, uh, they definitely are looking like a playoff team right now. Uh, I think the defense is finally there. Carr showed some clutch down in the 37 seconds. Baltimore fans were leaving the arena. They thought the game was done, 
and Carr hit two clutch, three, two or three, I can't remember now, two or three clutch passes, though, to set up Daniel Carlson for that game-tying 55-yard field goal. So it's um, an electrifying uh, <laughs> electrifying night. It took me three cups of tea and an emergency to get my voice back after <clears throat> just a uh, just, uh, uh, unbelievable night. And uh, for anyone you know that wants to experience, even if you're not a Raider fan, just to come see your team and to kind of witness you know, this cathedral that Al Davis would be very proud with, uh, I, I would admit to check it out. So it was a crazy game, but at the end of the way, at the end of the day, it was just the kind of the way the, the Raiders won it. And uh, just win, baby. And that's uh, how Mr. Davis will be proud. Me and Jason will probably talk more about it in the coming days here, but I wanted to kind of get a quick, quick hit. Uh, thanks, everyone. You can find me also on the Fresh Take Network, and I am the voice of the Dinos and the State Trojans basketball. Until next time, cheers from Las Vegas. <laughs>